Are you running away from the Lord or pressing in? Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. In the Christian life, the challenges of obedience become greater, not lesser. The call is upward to higher ground, not lower ground. And when you find yourself no longer desiring the higher calls, the deeper challenges, the stronger walk, watch out. It's so critical that we make progress forward in the Lord, like James said in James 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. This is amazing grace. The Apostle Peter observed many of the miracles Jesus performed during his ministry, and yet when push came to shove, Peter denied he even knew him. It's not an uncommon occurrence today, so we'll take the time to examine the steps that led up to his backsliding and learn from these mistakes with the hopes of not repeating them. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor in John chapter 18. Peter was sleeping when he should have been watching. In Gethsemane, Jesus asked Peter, James, he left eight at the gate, and he took Peter, James, and John into the garden to watch and pray while he submitted to the Father. And what was their response? They slept. And they slept hard, deep sleep because they were tired and they weren't watching. And when we stop watching and we stop praying, we are the most vulnerable to bad decisions in our lives. When we are to set ourselves to watch, you know, one of the greatest weaknesses of the church at large today is that the church has fallen asleep in a culture that's lulled them to sleep, lulled us to sleep. Like Nehemiah, we need to cry out on our prayers, Lord, forgive us for becoming cultural Christians, for going through the motions, for not taking our walk with the Lord serious, for not loving our neighbor as Christ loved ourselves, for not living in community and caring about one another. Lord, forgive us, because it's not the church, it's us. And the Bible says over and over again, wake up. Wake up out of your sleep. It's high time to wake up and watch and pray to watch the weak areas, to watch the strong areas, to be there for one another, not to bite and devour one another, not to slander and gossip one another, not to tear down a brother and to see this over here and to hear this over there and spread this over here. That's not from the Lord. It's time to wake up, church, to the power of the resurrected Christ that lives in you. The whole world awaits the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you and I are the vessels. Wake up. Wake up. Number three, Peter was impulsive instead of waiting on the Lord. Now, I could have gone both ways with this. He was impulsive instead of waiting, or it could have been he's impulsive instead of listening. Either way. And I'll tell you why. In the garden, part of the flesh of Peter was to be quick and impulsive. And we see it in the garden. 
Now, when I mention the word flesh, that's a Bible word. It doesn't just, it doesn't refer to, not always refer to the flesh of skin and bones. Uh, Sometimes it does, but there's a spiritual meaning to the word flesh. And, And if you're wondering what it means, here's a great way to remember it. When the flesh is used in a spiritual way, it refers to your old sinful habit patterns. Your old sinful habit patterns. While God changed you from the inside out and you're born again, you bring a lot of baggage with you into your walk with Jesus Christ. Some of us brought way more baggage than others. And that's our flesh. How we would respond instinctively rather than how we would respond spiritually. And when you spend your whole life responding instinctively, you pick up some bad habits along the way that don't please the Lord. One of the ones that Peter had was he was impulsive. Now, it's not always bad to be impulsive. It's better than procrastination and putting things off. But there are those times that if we're impulsive to a fault in our flesh, we're going to make mistakes. And of course, what did Peter do? Peter, in the middle of the garden, wanting to prove himself to Jesus, he pulls out his sword and he goes after the high priest's servant's neck and misses the neck, cuts the ear. It's messy. It's a bloody mess. And what does Jesus do? He stops everything, heals the guy, fixes the disciples' mess and says, put your sword away. That's not how we fight. I'm not going to fight this. I'm not resisting. This is the Father's will. You see, Peter should have never drawn his sword. And backsliding can sometimes start by impulsively reacting out of emotion, out of pain, and out of a zeal without knowledge, which we studied in depth last time. And I think Peter's really dealing with some stuff emotionally here that's put him in a major spiritual battle. I mean, if you had your best friend Jesus, the Savior of the world, look at you and say, you are going to deny me. You're a denier, Peter. And you see his response was, no way, I'll never deny you. Everyone will deny you. I'll never. I think he's carrying that in. This is all happening pretty rapid fire. We're re- looking at it over a few weeks, but this is happening all rapid fire in this brother's heart. It's all happening right before him with all the emotion, the crosses up ahead. Going to lose his savior, the prey. Oh, I fell asleep. I can't believe what he said to me. I, I think he had hurt feelings. I, I think that he's dealing with the reality of his own weakness. I think he's looking at, man, why did I cut that guy's ear off? What am I thinking? And just, man, he is in the thick of a battle. And because of his impulsiveness, he's doing something that Jesus never asked from him and never commanded him. And here's the thing. Jesus is within an arm reach, I believe, of Peter. Like, he's super close, physically. And here is Peter, so close to Jesus physically, and yet so far spiritually. He's right there. And the closest thing that I can think of, as that relates to us, is what you're, where you are right now. Now, of course, those listening in from a distance or listening on on the radio aren't in physically a church right now, but you are. You're sitting in a church. What better place to be physically to worship God than to gather in a church fellowship with other believers to sing together, study the Bible together? I mean, you're in church on a Sunday morning. How close can you possibly be physically to, to express your love and devotion to Jesus Christ? And yet, some of you are here physically, but you're not here spiritually. You're here physically, but you're not here spiritually. Why? Because you're in church and you're backsliding. You're not making forward progress. And I have to say, I'm glad you're in church. It's better than being somewhere else. But don't think for a moment, just being in a building 
with a bunch of people worshiping God means you're not backsliding. <laughs> and the enemy would love to sift us like wheat. And he often sifts like wheat even in a church building. Walking away from God's commandments is going to cost you. Listen in Psalm 119 verse 30. I've chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I've laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments and you shall enlarge my heart. Peter was impulsive instead of waiting on the Lord. Number four. Number four, Peter ran away instead of pressing in. Peter ran away instead of pressing in. Mark gives us insight of this whole scene when they came to arrest him in Mark 14, verse 48. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching as you did not seize me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. And then verse 50 says, Then they all forsook him and fled. Now the word all here literally means all, which would include a man by the name of... Stick with me. His name is... Peter, we've been studying Peter, not just anybody's name. If all fled, that meant Peter fled. Right in that scene in the garden when they came to arrest him. After the sword. After the episode, after the healing, Peter took off like the rest. Not very far, but he took off. The backslider is often found running away from God. People that run away from God are in a condition of backsliding. Not just in huge ways, but more often in a bunch of small ways. A bunch of small decisions. A bunch of small compromises that when added up, backward is their direction. In the Christian life, the challenges of obedience become greater, not lesser. The call is upward to higher ground, not lower ground. And when you find yourself no longer desiring the higher calls, the deeper challenges, the stronger walk, watch out. It's so critical that we make progress forward in the Lord. Like James said in James 4, verse 8. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Peter ran away. He fled just like everyone else. But it's so much greater for Peter because all this is happening to Peter. Number five. Peter followed Jesus at a distance instead of being close. They fled, but they slowly came back to watch and follow Jesus into the high priest's house. In Luke 22, verse 54, it says, Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Even though he ran away, Peter follows at a distance. And there are a lot of people like this following at a distance. Sometimes we describe them with the illustration of one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Where they, they, have, a, they have an appearance of righteousness. They're, they're in the church, you know, for an hour, an hour and a half. They might even do one thing or another in the church, but they live most of their life in the world, for the world, with the world. And it's where that cultural part of our uh, the emphasis of this cultural part of Christianity, man, so many believers, they, they look like the world, they sound like the world, you wouldn't even know they're saved. You wouldn't even know they have a love relationship with God, which is always cause for concern. It may not be backsliding for some. It may be you've never been born again to begin with. Either way, you can come to the Lord. You have one foot in the church and one in the world. Like, like the prophet once said, 
How long will you waver between two decisions? Choose God, as Joshua would say. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. That's just the way it is. Everything gets filtered through that statement. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. That's not backsliding. That's commitment. And finally, number six. If you want to go through again, number one, Peter was self-confident. Number two, he was sleeping instead of watching. Number three, he was impulsive instead of waiting. Four, he ran away instead of pressing in. Five, he followed at a distance instead of staying close. And number six, Peter warmed himself at the enemy's fires. Peter is found warming himself the fires of the enemy. Luke 22 verse 55 says, Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Mark chapter 14, verse 54. But Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Mark this truth. If you're in the wrong place, most likely you will do the wrong thing at the wrong time with the wrong people. If you're in the wrong place, there is a good chance you will be surrounded by wrong people. And being surrounded by wrong people will, will place you in a, in a position where you are getting wrong counsel and wrong... Everything is wrong when you sit at the enemy's fires. Everything is wrong. And even the little good that might come out of it is wrong. Be careful. Peter's already down. He's already weak. He's already beat up. He's already vulnerable. All this is happening rapid fire in his poor little heart. And I mean that in deep sincerity. His poor little heart is in turmoil. And in no way whatsoever am I demeaning the reality of how your heart might be today. Your poor little heart or mine. It could be triggered by all sorts of things that would take one little step away from God. It could be that phone call from an old friend. It could be a memory. It could be grief. It could be anger. It could be frustration. It could be marital issues. It could be your singleness. I mean, it it could be anything to put yourself at the wrong place. And I'm telling you, mark it. Listen to me, young, old, everyone in between. If you warm yourself at the enemy's fire, you will be at the wrong place surrounded by the wrong people at always the wrong time and you will do the wrong thing in that situation. Can you imagine the kind of conversations they were having there? It's not just the enemy's fire. Can you imagine the mockery that was happening at that fire pit? Can you imagine the name calling? Oh, look at him. What a liar. What a cheat. What an idiot. What an insurrectionist. We hate him. Kill him. Crucify him. And, and that's not a place when you're discouraged and beat up to be around people that hate God and are demeaning him. And, and you think of all the things that you can do. Yeah, you know, they're my buddies and my friends. It's okay to have, and as we should, men and women in our lives where we can share the gospel with and and even share life with our neighbors, our co-workers. As long as we're not in the wrong place with the wrong people. Because here's the thing. We need to give a lot of thought to who we spend the bulk of our time with. We think we're influencing them, but the real question is, is are they influencing us away from Christ? 
The Holy Spirit through Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And then the very next thing he says is awake, wake up to righteousness and do not sin for some do not have the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. The NIV says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character and how careful we need to be of who we spend the bulk of our time with because evil company will corrupt good habits and you will find yourself, maybe it starts with the wrong people, then you get to the wrong place and temptations come in that condition and you're weakened and you're going through it and there you are warming yourself at the enemy's fire, the enemy's fire that you forsook so long ago and you're there and you're talking and then they ask you, well, don't you know them? And what do you say? I don't know him, not once, not twice. Twice, but Peter denies the Lord three times at the enemy's fire. Mark my words. Mark the words of Scripture. Be careful. Matthew tells us that the third time of denial was actually combined with cursing and swearing. Now don't think of that like Peter's dropping the F-bomb or anything like that, like cussing. There's a, technical, there, there's a technicality about this cursing and swearing. The word is used as a strong expression involving the pronouncing of death on self at the hand of God if he was lying. So what Peter was doing in this last denial, can you imagine how far he is? He's taking the Lord's name in vain. This was just moments ago he had a sword in his hand. It was just moments ago that he said, I'll never. Just moments ago. How fast it can happen. So you kind of mess around with sin and you're like, oh, I'm getting away with it. You don't understand, Pastor. I got, I got this thing of one foot in the world and one foot in the church. I got it. But you don't know how fast it's going to take you down. Oh, well, you're still arguing. Oh, no, it's all right, man. I've been doing it for years. You don't know how fast it's going to take you down. And you've wasted two years of your life for what? You don't want to waste any years. You want to invest them in the things of the kingdom of God. He's worth it. He shed his blood for you. Backsliding can happen to any of us. Small ways, large ways. There are people noticeably absent from our congregation where I have personal knowledge of their backsliding ways and it breaks my heart. So unnecessary. It's so unneeded. The drama of this is, it should be enough to warn us. It's not God's heart for us to backslide. He doesn't want us being so self-confident. He doesn't want us sleeping while we should be watching. He doesn't want us to act impulsively, emotionally, out of pain. He doesn't want us running away when we should be running toward him. He doesn't want us following at a distance, but following as close as we possibly can. He doesn't want us warming ourselves at the fire of the enemy. He doesn't want us right up on the edge. How close can I get to sin without it destroying me? The only way you're going to find that out is when it destroys you. And sometimes the destruction is irrecoverable. God is gracious and God is good, but sometimes those decisions come with consequences that last the rest of your life. And it's so unneeded in our lives. Here's my question before we end in a time of waiting on the Lord. Are you the prodigal today? Are you the backslidden one? Now, I know if I would have asked that question at the beginning of the message, you would have been said, no way, I'm not. Look, I'm in church. What are you talking about? That message should be people that, for people that aren't here. But now... As we learned a little bit more about what it means to backslide, and we've learned that it not only means just to go into sin, but it means to start letting go and going backwards. It means to fail to progress. We realize that some of us actually might be in the process of backsliding right now. We actually might be that prodigal in the early stages, the wanderer, the backslider. 
And so let's say you're falling back again. You don't want to get good at backsliding. You don't want to get good and comfortable with your backsliding ways. Rededication, backsliding, rededication. You don't want that in your life. Let's say you've slipped a bit. And let's say you have lost some ground. How do you get back with God? Well, I'm going to give you three words if you want to jot them down. Three words that will help you come back to God. But I'm going to read them to you. So let's go and close in Revelation chapter 2 because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I don't just want to give you the words. I want to give you the words in context. To the church in Ephesus, people fall away like Peter. Churches can fall away. Yeah, still be a church and still do good things, but lose their love and lose their passion and find themselves involved in things they shouldn't be involved in. Notice, that's what happened to the church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things. This is at Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. You've persevered. You have patience. You've labored for my namesake and have not become weary. And if we got a letter like that from Jesus, we're like, yeah, somebody noticed. Man, we're serving God and we're giving ourselves. We're tired. We're persevering. We're enduring. But Jesus says in verse 4, nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. And then he gives three ways to come back. Number one is the word remember. Verse 5, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Remember. Secondly, he says, repent. Repent. That's the most important part. Repent. You've sinned against a holy and a righteous God. Repent. And then finally, do the first works. And for the sake of using ours to remember, I'll give you an R word. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent and repeat. Go back and do the first works. Go back and, man, start serving the Lord again in a heart of love. Forsake your, your sinful ways. Forsake your backslidden ways and come home to the Lord. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent and repeat those first works. Remember, repent and repeat. That's how the backslider gets back on track. You're listening to Abounding Grace and part of Pastor Ed Taylor's new study in John's Gospel. Today's message, How to Be a Good Backslider, can be heard again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. So, Pastor Ed, what would you say to the backslider who's feeling like they've gone too far? They're feeling shame and regret and wondering if God would ever take them back. That's a great description, Larry. And let me just turn to the audience and say, if Larry just described you, the person that thinks you've gone too far, I want to assure you that you haven't. That very feeling as you begin to assess your life in the moment, and yeah, how bad it's been, and the consequences of bad decisions. I received an email just today about a person who said in in so many words that they made a life decision, that they're dealing with the consequences right now, but they are back with the Lord. And I'll encourage you like I encouraged him, and that is, it's good for you to be in the Lord. Come back. Yes, most likely there will be consequences, but let's stop it now. And that's the word of the Lord to you. I believe that's a, a rhema word. God's speaking into your life right now. Let's stop it now. Let's turn back to the Lord. You haven't gone too far. He loves you. The blood of Jesus Christ covers even that. 
but let's start to pick up the pieces. It, it, it won't get worse if you stop now. And let's, uh, it, there's going to be stuff that you have to work out. I wish I could help you avoid all that, but you can't. But you can come home and the Lord will help you put the pieces of your life back together as you abide in him. So come on back now in this very moment. Thanks for those wonderful words of encouragement. Our pick of the month is Five-Minute Apologetics for Today by Ron Rhodes. As Christians, we sometimes encounter objections about the Bible, and maybe you're left wondering how to answer them or where do you look. Well, this wonderful book offers you 365 quick answers to key questions. I think you'll find it super helpful the next time you come across a question where you're not sure how to answer, and we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. And we want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses. That's our prayer and our heart's desire. And if you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we'd sure appreciate it. This would be a wonderful time to hear from you. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or again, call 877-30-GRACE. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in John with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.